Uh, if you're joining us today, we are almost at the end of our teaching series that we started in September, where we we are a brand new church. We just started. This is all fresh. And uh, we are almost finishing up this teaching series, which is called Spiritual Formation and Practicing the Way. And the hope is that uh, it gives you a window into who we are and how we'll practice the way of Jesus together. And so far, we've unpacked our Four out of five cultural values. Christ is our core. Mission is our mandate. People are our priority. Generosity is our gift. And we are now concluding our last cultural value, which is family is our foundation. And uh, this value is very uh, intentional in terms of the placement of our values as a church. It is listed last because, you know, when we look at these other cultural values, they're awesome and they're great and they're wonderful. Uh, but this last cultural value kind of ties everything together that we're doing this as one body, one church, and one community. And so it really orients all of these other cultural values through this perspective, through this lens of community. And so, you know, as, as Sharon read our teaching text today, we're kind of obviously looking at Christ's family. And when we think of family, like our own blood family, our immediate family, our natural family, family, every family has distinguished characteristics. There's like certain traits that mark a certain family. And so, you know, I think of, you know, every time I am invited into Lika's household, I'm giving you a shout out right now, with Danny, with, yeah, 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 yeah. With Lika, Danny, and Dania, I know every time I'm invited to, for a meal, I need to fast for a week because there's going to be so much food. Like everyone contributes too. Danny's cooking, Lika's cooking, Dania is going to make cheesecake. Like I know there's going to be so much food and I'm going to be taking, I'm going to be given food to take home for about three weeks worth. Um, and so, you know, they're so hospitable, their family, right? Like every family has characteristics. I think of, you know, me growing up and uh, being second generation. So obviously my parents uh, immigrating here. And I don't know if anyone can relate. That is second gen. But, you know, when you're a kid, so I'm talking elementary school, more, more middle school. But when the possibilities of having a sleepover become real, and uh, so, okay, I'm, I'm, I, we're getting some resonance here. And so I knew as a second generation person, the only way that my mom, my mom, my, my, my lovely mother over here, uh, if I wanted my mom to say yes to me sleeping over at a friend's house, I needed to ask my friend to call my mom. Because if I, if I ask my mom, it's a hard no. But if I ask Owen to ask my mom, I'm getting a yes. I'm going to deal with the consequences when I come home tomorrow, but it is worth it, you know? So I don't know if that's just a family trait of just like, you know, being part of my parents being first generation, but every family has distinguished characteristics, and the same would be for the family of God. And so for us as brothers and sisters in Christ, when we, we belong to the same family, but the family of God has distinguished characteristics and attributes, and so as we look at this teaching text, at this point in Jesus' life, he is fully active in his ministry. He is fully teaching. He is performing miracles. He is healing people, raising people from the dead. He is on. He is, and he is fully public about being the son of God. There's no secret around that. He is open. He is bold. He is saying he is the son 
of God. And so prior to this interaction where we see uh, Jesus' natural family, his immediate family, try to get his attention, um, prior to this interaction, when we look at Matthew chapter 12 as a whole, there's actually a lot going on. And when we look at the chapter as a whole, Jesus is fully engaged in this discourse with the Pharisees. He's fully engaged in this conversation with the Pharisees. And again, the Pharisees were the religious elite. They were the authority. They were the Jewish authority that represented God to the Jewish people. And so he's fully in this discourse. And I use that word discourse intentionally because, um, you know, there's a bit of a clash going on as we see these conversations transpire. And so at this point, we can really clearly tell that the Pharisees do not like Jesus. And they're beginning to attribute the power of Jesus because, again, he's fully active in his ministry. He is healing. He is teaching. He is doing all kinds of things. And they're attributing Jesus' powers to the works of demons. And so in Matthew 12, so again, earlier in this chapter, verses 22 to 24, it says this. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And so, you know, we see here this word Beelzebul um, or Beelzebub. And this was a Philistine deity that later became associated with Satan. Um, and eventually, at this time in the first century, the name Beelzebul or Beelzebub was synonymous with Satan. So they're fully attributing the power of Jesus to the power of Satan. Again, in the same exchange, Jesus says to them, to the Pharisees in verse 30, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so essentially, Jesus is acknowledging the Pharisees' being on the opposite side of his ministry. He is fully branding them as his adversaries here. And so this is the moment where Jesus' mother and siblings arrive. So all of these conversations have transpired. There's tension in this room. I'm sure that the people that were there listening and witnessing this conversation, there's probably a lot of talk happening at this point. And so this is where his family arrives, verse 46. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak with you. And so imagine being Jesus' family, like his, his natural family, his blood-related family. You arrive to this building and there's lots of people all around, and you're kind of hearing a commotion. Maybe you're kind of hearing whispers of people kind of talking about Jesus. And so remember, like, put yourself in the perspective of being Christ's brother or sister or even mother. You begin kind of hearing whispers of people kind of hating on Jesus. How dare this guy claim to be our God and our Messiah? Like there's words of hatred and resentment probably beginning to bubble around the conversations. And to make things worse, Jesus is saying this in front of the Pharisees, right? The Jewish authorities. And these Pharisees actually had real power within the government. And so to claim that you were God was blasphemy. And blasphemy was punishable by death. And so again, put yourself in the perspective 
of Jesus being your brother or sister. Like, that is, that is your sibling. Like, you deeply care about them. And you're hearing people whisper, like, this guy should be killed. Like, this guy is blaspheming. And so obviously, I'm sure that concern probably as a sibling of Jesus, you're concerned for your brother. Being the mother of Jesus, you are concerned for your son. People are threatening to kill him. And so being in this situation outside of this house, you're probably going into fight or flight mode. What do you do? How can you save your brother? How do you take him out of this hostile situation? And so again, there's no doubt that I'm sure the family of Jesus are experiencing just like grave concern for, again, their family member. They're concerned for his well-being, and I'm sure that they're kind of maybe discussing amongst themselves, okay, how can we quietly get Jesus out of this situation? Because things are getting tense. And so keep in mind in our teaching text that Jesus was interrupted. He was interrupted while he was teaching, while he was having this conversation with the Pharisees. And so to be interrupted means that this is a huge request. This is a very obvious request expressing concern. So for his mother, for his siblings to ask someone to interrupt Jesus as he is fully engaged with the Pharisees and teaching, they were very worried. They interrupt him as he's in the middle of something. They are concerned. And so again, when we look at this chapter as a whole, because it's, it's right at the end of this full kind of conversation and all of the things that Jesus is saying, if you had a Bible that was like a red letter Bible, like this chapter is full of red because Jesus is speaking a ton. And so what Jesus is saying, he's, he's, claiming to, he's claiming some crazy stuff in this chapter. He's crazing to be greater than Jonah. Jonah was a prophet, right? Like people were familiar with who Jonah was. The Jews were familiar with the story of Jonah. He's claiming to be greater than the temple where God, um, his presence dwells and is. He is claiming to be greater than Solomon, the last king in the united monarchy of Israel. He's claiming a lot of big things. These aren't small claims. If you were witnessing this Jesus is back-to-back blaspheming like he is incurring the hardest death sentence possible simply from what he is saying here to claim to be God was a big deal because it was punishable by death C.S. Lewis a very influential writer and Christian theologian I think most people are familiar with him because of the lion the witch and the wardrobe but he actually wrote a lot of good stuff man like we talk about him at Regent all the time so uh, he's a smart guy so he says this uh, in regards to contrasting the position of Christ claiming to be God and really the two camps the two gap the two categories that either you believe him or you don't here's what he says you must make your choice Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He had not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Again, Jesus isn't just claiming to be this very spiritual rabbi or teacher or this really godly person. He was claiming to be God himself. And so again, put, your, put yourself into the perspective of being his blood family, his brother, sister, mother. You're hearing all of these things. You're hearing Jesus say these things in front of the Pharisees, in front of all kinds of people. And you're probably thinking, stop saying these things. 
You're going to get yourself in trouble. You're going to get us in trouble. I'm assuming the siblings probably, I mean, they're adult children at this point, but they're probably looking at like Mary, like, mom, you got to do something. Like Jesus is going to get in trouble. And again, for Jesus's family, like their motives were obviously well-intended to like interrupt and like try to bring him out of this situation. Like they just love their brother. Mary loves her son. They're obviously just concerned about his safety. But here's the big distinction here. Although they were, you know, they were concerned about his safety and they obviously deeply loved him, ultimately, his immediate family, his natural family, did not believe what he was saying. They did not believe he was actually the son of God in this moment. They loved him, but they did not believe in him. And we see that in scripture, John 7, 1 to 5. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him, remember, because he made them angry. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. You know, you, you would think, we would think, surely his siblings, his own parents would, would see Jesus grow up and somehow be aware of his deity, right? Like they grew up with Jesus. And maybe, maybe that's what made it harder. But let's think about even, even Mary. Mary and Joseph, they experienced the virgin birth. You know, like when they were, when Jesus was a kid, I don't know how old he would have been at this moment, but, and uh, Mary and Joseph left, they forgot Jesus. You remember that story? You kind of like never talk about it, but they forgot Jesus at like a temple. And, and the scriptures say he was, a, they were a days away. They traveled for 24 hours and they're like, where's our son? You know, like, is he on our donkey? You know, like, no, he's not. Okay, we got to travel another 24 hours, you know? And where do they find Jesus? As a kid, he's teaching and having conversations with these Pharisees and religious leaders. You know, Mary, and I'm sure the siblings even witnessed Jesus, their brother, turn the water into wine. Like, they have seen and experienced miracles. Yet, we see here that there's some type of disbelief going on. One critical word that we really need to uh, be aware of here is the word outside. This is very important to note in this text. The position of Jesus' family is now shifting in regards to his ministry. And perhaps when Jesus started, maybe they were supportive, as any loving family would, like, yeah, we support your dreams. Do the things, you know? But all of a sudden, what Jesus is doing is actually incurring some real-world repercussions. And their position, their posture towards Jesus is beginning to change. And clearly, their support was not present anymore. If Jesus' family truly believed in what he was saying, if his family truly believed that he was the Son of God, they wouldn't have been outside trying to interrupt. They would have been inside listening and supporting, but they weren't. They were outside trying to stop him from doing his thing. For Jesus' family, I'm sure, in that moment, well-intended, they were more concerned with their agenda than Christ's message. And that stems from belief, right? Like, they loved Jesus. Clearly, they did not believe. 
And again, it's not to portray them as bad guys. Like imagine being the siblings. Like you're, you're legitimately concerned, right? Like Jesus is probably putting his life on the line. He's putting the life of his disciples on the line. He's putting his family's lives on the line. Again, what C.S. Lewis said, either you believe what he said, that he was the son of God, or he's just a madman. He's a lunatic. Which do you believe? And so the family of Jesus, they had every opportunity, every resource imaginable because they grew up with him. They could have been inside already with the disciples, but they aren't. I think that speaks to the tension for Christians. We can be inside the church, but we can still be outside of Christ. Just because we attend on Sundays, just because we do the Christian thing, doesn't really mean we know Jesus. And, you know, Christ's family at this point, yes, they're they're represented as outside and not really being supportive or believing, but they eventually come around. And again, Jesus is not saying your immediate family doesn't matter. That is not what Jesus is saying. On, with Jesus' final moments hanging on the cross, he instructs John, his disciples, to take care of his mother. We even see that his siblings and his mother, they're with the disciples in Acts 2, Acts 1, Acts 2, somewhere there, when they're like in that upper room and they're praying and interceding for the Holy Spirit. They are there with the disciples. We see Jesus' own brother, uh, James. He actually eventually becomes uh, the, church, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Like they all came around and acknowledged his deity. But here in this moment, in this interaction in Matthew 12, they do not. And I'm sure for Jesus, I'm sure this is something that grieved his heart, that those that are dearest to him weren't really with him. But Jesus takes this moment for everyone around to teach this reality of what it means to belong to the family of God, that those that he was closest, he literally acknowledges his disciples as being closer than his own relationship with his own mother. He was saying, I am, who, who, who is my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? These people right here. These disciples, my brothers, sisters, mother, father in Christ, this is my true family. And there's so much to take heart in that because if we are disciples of Jesus, we could use the word apprentices, Jesus literally counts us closer than his own natural family, his own immediate family. We are closer to him than his immediate family. That's what it means to belong to the family of God. Although the, this, again, is, is a bitter fact, he's, ex, he's expressing this incredible reality of what it means to belong to the family of God. And so when we look at this chapter, chapter 12, we see three distinct groups of people. The first, it's the religious, right? We, we see the Pharisees. We see these Jewish leaders who, out of any person here, had the most scripture memorized. Like, they knew all the things. They represented God's authority. Like, they were the old school pastors and teachers back in the day, yet they were outside of Christ. The next group of people, it's those that are related. It's those that grew up with Jesus. It's those that played catch with Jesus. It's his parents, yet they are still 
although that they love him so dearly, at this particular moment in time, they are outside of Christ. And what's the third group? It's those that are resolute. It is those that are absolutely sure that Jesus was who he said he was. The, the term resolute, I was just looking for three hours, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, the term resolute, determined and unwavering, that's what that means. The disciples were determined and unwavering. They knew, like the disciples, they left their professions, they left their careers uh, to, as fishermen to follow Jesus. Those are his immediate family. When it comes to following Jesus, there is no middle ground. You're either in or you're out. There is no middle ground. And for us as the church, as the family of God, family in Christ, perhaps we are not related through blood, but we are related through the blood of Christ. We are brothers and sisters. And so what distinguishes us as, as the family of God it's full submission to Christ. It's unity. It's brothers and sisters. Like when we think of friendship, what constitutes a friendship? It's usually shared interests or shared places. But how about a shared identity? You know what I mean? Like that's what really brings us together. It is Jesus Christ. It is the Sunday school answer time and time again. It is Jesus. This reality of belonging to the family of God changes everything about how we live our lives, not just our schedules and priorities on a Sunday. It changes everything Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. All of our cultural values that we've gone over these last few months, they are all wonderful, but done on your own are very hard, very tough, and ultimately very lonely. You know, we're not just supposed to come together one, one day a week and attend on Sunday and that's it. That, the Lord calls us to so much more because we can experience so much more. Last week, we kind of touched on the fellowship of believers and for us as a church, this is a very core verse for us, Acts 2, um, 42 to 47, because we see the characteristics of the early church, what they did, what they prioritized. Let me read it one more time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. Practicing the way of Jesus is meant to be done together. Being created in the image of God, we are created in the image of relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why we sing the doxology every time afterwards. So we are reminded who the God we serve, the God that we follow, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So who are my parents? I mean, in a literal sense, yeah, that's my mom, you know? But in another sense, you are my brothers. You are my sisters. You are my mother. You are my father. That's a reality that can only be understood when we begin to know the person of Jesus. 
and here's the thing. I think sometimes we brand church as like, best is yet to come. I didn't want to say it, but I said it, you know, like it's all good. It's like, you know, sunshines and rainbows. But the reality is like with your own family, like you butt heads. And the reality is we are not going to get along all the time. There are moments where we're going to disagree. There are moments where we feel like we can't, we can't continue to engage in a conversation because we've just made the other person so mad. We got to walk away. That's fine. But that's what it means to be a family. I'm not saying we're going to be best friends. We're going to be family knowing that even though when we have, have off days that I still love you no matter what because Christ has loved me first. And that's what we're gonna be about as, as a church is that we are brothers and sisters in Christ through thick and thin, through highs and lows, through mountaintop valleys. Mountaintops, I needed a comma. Mountaintops and the valleys. Through it all, we're gonna do it together.